Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. the pod and, and the radio show here with Jacob Bannon, a vocalist of Converge, of Umbra Vitae, of Blood from the Soul. So many projects. It seems like uh, it's been it's been a little while since I talked to you. We talked during the release of uh, Umbra Vitae, which is a really cool record. Go back and listen to that from last year. Um, a lot has happened. How were you able to like stay sane during this time when you can't be on the road and, and, you know, do the normal things that you can normally do? How were you able to stay sane during this like 19 months? I was going to say, I think we're implying that I stayed sane. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, well, you know, for, for me, um, what, what month did we talk about Umbra? Do you remember when that was? That must've been like June or something. June. Like that. Okay. So we were still like in the thick of things in terms of, the sort of unknowingness of the world and COVID at that time. And, you know, 2020 for me was a, um, was one of those sort of like fight or flight years mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I, as I'm a, I'm an independent business owner, yep. I'm an independent artist, so I'm a self-employed individual, whatever. Um, and, you know, provider for the family, um, all those things. So there's a lot of stress when the world kind of starts to shut down and yeah. you have to sort of deliver not only for your family, but for the businesses and for the bands and, you know, the people that, that you're in the role of being responsible for in some way. So there was a lot of pressure there. Um, and I, I tend to do quite okay. And in, in those, in those moments, I just kind of go into my, my mode of got to get these tasks done. I yeah. need to ensure that the lights stay on for the businesses. I need to do what I can in terms of um, the, 
the Death Wish record label and distribution company, that was quite a challenge because we had to furlough a, a, basically all of our staff at that yeah. time. You know, we were we actually couldn't be within the building altogether. Yeah. So it was basically, um, you know, two of us um, coming in on alternating days, just trying to get orders out the door wow. um, and just try to keep up with just just the basic just basic things mm -hmm. just to keep the lights on to ensure that there would be a business for people to come back to. Uh, so that was, that was really challenging. You know, I put um, essentially all, you know, all art and, you know, ex creative things completely on hold um, at that time. And just to do that, that was primarily what I was, what I was focused on doing and I'm just kind of coming out of that because even though we've been we've been able to bring people back, and and hire new folks and whatnot, um, the the just the sort of workload has been quite intense, and so trying to trying to navigate that and uh, and do that has has been a challenge, um, and then never mind just trying to make a or make rather not make but you know, finish and complete an album such mm -hmm. as, you know, the Converge Blood Moon One album um, towards the later end of that. Um, yeah, just added added more more activity to that plate, you know. So um, during that time, though, I felt I felt okay. I just felt like I was just in that mode, just like I can, if I'm overworked, I can continue working. I still, mm -hmm. I can see a little light at the end of the tunnel. 2021 has been a little bit different for me where, um we just uh, like Converge just played um, our, our first two live shows in basically a year and a half. Was that a Furnace Fest? Yeah, we did a uh, Furnace Fest in Alabama that was mm -hmm. rescheduled a couple of times. And then we also did a Decibel Festival in That's right. Philadelphia. And doing those things reminded me of just, there's a, a long, big cascade of emotions, basically. Um, you know, I haven't done, I, I haven't played in quite a while. That might seem like a, a little thing to, to many folks, but, you know, I, I started this band as a kid, as a teenager and at, like just that, like 13, 14 years old or whatever, mm -hmm. something like that. But then we started touring. I was like 16, 17 years old and I've toured every year since then. And I'm 45 now. Yeah. You know, so I've had so so live music and that sort of interaction with the community has been something that has been some some part of me in that time. And so some ways I kind of enjoyed not doing it for a little bit, um, just not having just breaking from the repetition of it. But then you realize also in that absence um how much it it means to you and how much you know it's part of your sort of character and as an individual so that's been that's been a challenge um for sure and then like also it's been giving me time to be a little bit more introspective in terms of art and music yeah and like the things i want to be part of the things i want to cover when i do finally get the chance to you know make some stuff that isn't um that isn't assignment based because most of my art and music is sort of assignment based, you know, like I don't really get the opportunity to just sort of like hang out and create for pleasure. You know, it's more like uh, I need to do this task for band A or B or C or whatever, or, or one of my own. Um, but it, more often than not, it's not at this point, it's not just like 
um, I just like, I can't like, just like sit in like, you know, and riff or something or yeah. like, or sit in like, um, and just like make some art. It just hasn't really, ha- I haven't had that opportunity. So I'm trying to re- I'm reevaluating that a little bit and how I want to approach that when the time comes. Yeah. I was curious about that because you're so, you know, just so well-known for your design work and your paintings. And then, you know, the, your, like I said, your design work, I'm being repetitive here, but um, I was curious about if you're able to just create for yourself sometime, but it sounds like it's just such a, such a workload that it's impossible almost. Yeah. It's just not there. Like, you know, like, I mean, like behind me is like a pile of stuff. Um, You can, I don't know. You can't really, you can kind of, if I go like that, you can kind of see, I have, yeah. I basically have this this work table that I'm always doing things on, but it's more most of it is again like um, like customer based or like you sure. know like product based. So it's not just like it's not it's not pleasure art or like fully expressive for myself. And I'm I need to it's part of my sort of my sort of outlook right now is trying to improve that and get some get some time. And make and carve out some time to just do that and spend time on the craft and sort of get back in touch with those those simple elements of things that um, modern life kind of take away after a while because the responsibilities just sort of you know especially as you age um, and you you know and you're providing for you know your families and and bands and businesses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationship with art and music at times can kind of become a little bit sort of like transactionary. So that's even, that's technically a word, Um, (laughs) you know? uh, So it's, yeah. So to get back in touch with like the things that, that mattered when you first started is I think really important. And so that's what I'm trying to, you know, uh, reestablish those connections. Cool, man. All right. Well, um, I, I didn't get a chance to chat with you a bit about an album that um, was kind of left field for me, but was totally an awesome album, the Blood from the Soul album. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about the new record, but I did want to quickly mention this album. Um, is this is this a project? And this is a super group in a way. Is this a is and this probably feels weird for me to to, mm-hmm. to hear that, you know, super group with your name uh, attached to it. But I will say super group. And is this Shane Embry from Napalm Best? Is that kind of his his pet project? So yeah, so Shane in around nineteen ninety, I think it was ninety one. He started uh, Blood from the Soul, and then he released music in ninety two into ninety three. He re- released a a uh, LP with Lou Collar from Sick of It All singing. That's right, yeah. And so he um, basically it was an industrial metal project. And at the time, a lot of extreme metal folks were really inspired by what was going on with the, the sort of merging of uh, the sort of aggressive industrial world and the metal world. And yeah. you had at the time, uh, you know, Justin Broderick firing on all cylinders with Godflesh. And that was really inspiring for all of them mm-hmm. as a peer. And so a lot of things started to appear at that time in the early 90s. Um, Blood from the Soul being one of them, you know, uh, Scorn being one, Meat Meat Hook Seed, um, a lot of stuff that was sort of experimental, but still had like the teeth of like a grind or extreme metal band. Um, And so since then, Shane has wanted to do that again. And it's been sort of something he's had on the back burner. And a few years ago, he reached out to me to see if I wanted to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he was kind of, he was looking around for a bit, uh, just to find collaborators with it. 
And I said, you know, this would be an interesting creative challenge just because it's something very different. You know, like typically I, I'm part of songs which are rooted in sort of like personal, personal subject matter and things like that. And this, this was a little different where I could, I could actually write a semi-fictional story and basically create a true um, concept album. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to take a crack at that and I thought that would be really, really interesting. So it's essentially, you know, a a, a sort of dystopian story uh, about um, artificial intelligence essentially reaching a, a point on earth where it essentially takes over and humans flee and eventually the ai becomes so um becomes so self-aware that it essentially starts to develop feelings and emotions and realizes oh, wow. that it never wanted that in the first place and this is the huge human flaw and then they all give up too so it's sort of this um sort of this cyclical the cyclical hyper-intelligence story. And it, it's sort of told from the perspective of, of it, the survivors that are on a, they're on a ship floating through space, trying yeah. to just not be, be, be destroyed. And also by the, um, the robots that, that are essentially becoming too, uh, too sentient for their own good. Uh, I'm glad you kind of gave me a hint of what this is about because I'm totally going to listen to it in a different way now. Yeah. So like, I didn't, it's, I didn't break it down into like, into like really like, uh, like hard chapters or like, here's the story of, you know, like Ronnie, the spaceship driver or anything (laughs) like that. Um, I kept it, I kept it obtuse and intentionally, you know, Um, but if you add that, if you add that, like that subtle nuance, you'll start to kind of understand some of it. Like there's, like a song like uh like dismantle the titan for example it's almost like the story of like two you can it's it's like it's like a human walking through the carcass of uh, a giant you know like sort of like dead ai beast and mm-hmm. seeing you know graffiti sc- scrawled on the inside of the walls of the body and talking about what it was like before and what it's like now um you i want to read this graphic novel man i want to read this graphic novel now yeah, I mean, well, here's the. Th- I think it was a really and and I I titled the the record DSM five, uh, you know, about the actual using using the the actual title of the the psych- psychiatric book of the same name because mm-hmm. to me it felt like a um it, it sort of like felt like vessel numbers on the side of a spaceship, mm. um and just kind of playing with that idea, having a little bit of fun with something that was kind of like a little dark, um but dark in a dark in an interesting way. It just makes you think a little bit. So that's what that record's about. Um, and we've talked about doing some more stuff since then. And as cool. you said, it's a, the term super group is a weird thing, right? It kind of becomes a little clickbaity in this world because people go, Oh, well, people are saying that it's a super group. It's like, now we're just a bunch of musicians doing whatever, but like, yeah, there's definitely some people with a lot of experience in it. Um, Shane being, you know, an absolute icon, especially to me, um, it's an honor doing anything with him and Dirk uh, from soil work right yeah Dirk from soil work he played on some of the more memorable soil work records just a monster yeah. of a drummer People and he's a megadeth now he's the megadeth guy now he's yep. been the megadeth guy um basically since i want to say like right after that 
the the last record came out mm-hmm. he's been he, he's been the guy and he seems like he's really comfortable there and that's been a really good spot for him oh yeah um, you know um and that's i met him through doing this you know um, that's cool and also jesper from nazem is is yeah. part of it as well um shane played a, a majority of the stringed instruments on, on on the record cool um but i think jesper will play on the the next one um that we're slowly sort of working on. I know that Derek and Shane have a bunch of ideas musically and, and uh, we'll see what happens. Awesome, man. Well, the new album uh, by Converge and, and also Chelsea moon is all oh, Chelsea moon, Chelsea wolf. Sorry That's about hard, that. Right? It's called blood moon, uh, <laughs> yes. blood moon one Chelsea wolf. And also her collaborator, collaborator, Ben yes. Chisholm and uh, Stephen Brodsky yeah. from, from cave in uh, the new album is going to be coming out November 19th. And uh, it's also a collaboration record. Um, and I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, even, yep. oh, sorry. It, it is a collaborative record, but it's actually, if it's any, if it's anything, it's a true band in the sense that like, mm. it's really tough. Like these days, the way digital music works, as you know, everything has to be sort of compartmentalized into columns. So sort sure. of, so it makes sense within the, the sort of parameters of like yeah. a, of a framework of Spotify or, mm-hmm. or, or Apple music or whatever, and things land on, you know, people's pages and, and our page and things like that. But to us, Converge Blood Moon is a new extension of the band. So for a bunch of years, um, Kurt has always had the idea of trying to do something more elaborate and more just a grander approach to to, to what we have done in the past. And I'm talking about like going back to the late nineties, we were talking about like wow. trying to add piano and different instrumentation and things and, and really being open to those ideas. And as we became better players and just better artists in general and creative folks, it's become a little closer to being in our grasp. So once we started getting to that point, we we're like, Hey, let's, let's like reach out to some people and see if there's other other players that we know that would want to do this with us. And in 2016, we did a few shows as Converge Blood Moon in Europe. We did three shows. I think it was three or four. And basically we reimagined existing Converge songs. Wow. And we invited Ben and Chelsea and Steve to go with us. And we did that. We Before going into those shows, we, um, we basically just got it got a bunch of demos together of how we wanted to do things mm-hmm. and uh, basically put a set together, went out there and we really liked the, um, we really liked everybody's sort of chemistry and it got, we all got along really well creatively. And we we're like, let's, let's continue with this. Let's see what we can do with this. This is really special, at least for us. And uh, we started demoing basically at that time, uh, sharing the songs and things together with, you know, with one another and so we had this mass of material that slowly started to kind of build and snowball over time that eventually, you know, culminates, you know, some of it culminates into Blood Moon One. Wow. Okay. So I I was just under the assumption that this was all just like a like a pandemic project, quote unquote. No, but it sounds no, like it went way it. back. Yeah, it starts. Yeah. The pandemic uh, actually, you know, delayed delayed the recording we were supposed to all get together around march of 2020 after Mm -hmm. we did some shows in south america and uh, chelsea and ben finished up some touring in europe 
pandemic sent them home early before they even started their tour. They were, I yeah. believe they were in the Czech Republic and they got the call that they had 24 hours to get home and the borders wow. were going to be closed. And, you know, we had to cancel our touring mm-hmm. and we just all kind of went into lockdown mode, like we discussed earlier. And um, it took a little bit of time to sort of figure out the logistics of where we going to try to, oh, we were gonna, we were all going to get together in that, that time after those tours for a few weeks. Um, but we couldn't anymore. So we weren't sure what we were going to do is kind of put ourselves in a bit of a holding pattern with this. Um, and that was kind of it for a bit. And then Kurt started uh, chipping away at some of the demo ideas that we already had as a framework for some stuff. And then we all started doing things remotely and working remotely and um, just decided to go that direction with it. Um, It was definitely a challenge. You know, there's a, we're a band to at least the, the, the core converge, the four of us are typically we, we just do our thing and record like a traditional band. This had a lot more moving parts and we wanted to still have it feel really natural and not just be locked into a grid or something where a lot of modern music just is just snapped into a grid, you know, mm-hmm. you know and it's like a linear thing. And it's like, so everything had to be um, really meticulously tempo mapped to have like the, the feel that we wanted it to have yeah. um, and have that sort of live sort of spirit and soul uh, and that was, that was, I think, if anything, that was kind of a challenge, you know, just to kind of do it that way for the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, we even recorded drums basically last, which never happens. You know, that happens in pop music now because of the grid, as I was talking about, yeah. where a lot of session drummers come and just kind of like rip through a pop song that's already been programmed. This was very, you know, a very different experience for us, you know, in that regard. Well, as, as, um, you know, a, a band that is kind of just, you're all very comfortable with each other and you, you all do your thing and show up and play. Was it hard or difficult or, uh, how just describe the experience of like making space and making room for others to hop in and, and sure. also, you know, perform and create. Well, for, you know, for us, like that was a, that was a really unique thing, right? Because we are all, we, we all have our sort of our formulas and habits, which we all yep. fall into of how we write and do things. And this, we, we still all, we all brought musical ideas to the table, um, but we were much more open to exploring those rather than in the core converge, it'll be like, like we're pretty cutthroat with each other because we've, we're basically siblings. We've been doing it forever. Sure. So we, we destroy each other with sarcasm and humor and are pretty hard on each other. Um, but all for the betterment of song, this was different in the sense that we were much more respectful of everybody's boundaries, including oh, like yeah. the internal four of us. Cause you just kind of like, you, we all have a reverence for one another and like a res- healthy respect for, uh, for what each of us bring to the table as creative folks. So we were just kind of like, yeah, this song's great. Let's explore that idea. Hey, you have this vocal idea. Let's record it. Let's do it. You want me to try to sing this here? I'll try it. Let's do it. And we were very open to those things. Mm -hmm. And that went, I think that sort of um, quality, everybody from had throughout the process. So that was, that was really inviting and really special. Um, And the, one of the biggest challenges for me was typically I'm, I'm in a sort of uh, autonomous sort of place in the Converge world where, you know, I'm part of the the music writing and editing, but then I'm sort of given the 
the body of the song to then write lyrics and, and phrasing and stuff like that and titling and whatnot. This is very different. So this we were all writing for one another, which is really, really different. We're all, you know, editing lyrics together, Mm -hmm. trying to just make the best possible melodies and, and harmonies and things like that. And that took a little bit of getting used to for me because at first I was so used to, again, being on that Island. Yeah. So at first it was a little, I don't want to say like, it was a little scary for me because it was just kind of like out of my wheelhouse, you know? Um, but I learned, really learned to enjoy that over time. And it became a really, a really special record to me because of that. Cause I was able to sort of, you know, sit with a peer like Steve in the studio for, you know, like a week and, and we're going through vocal ideas, editing my lines, editing his lines, rewriting stuff, trying new things and, getting feedback from Chelsea and then she's giving us tracks. It's just like, it was just really special and really that aspect of things was much, much more collaborative for us. Wow. That's awesome, man. And, and, and uh, do you remember around when you guys wrapped up uh, with, with the album and had it finished? Sure. Yeah. We, we wrapped up this summer. So we wrapped up, I believe it was like July or August, may have been August. So it was close. A lot of the material was, was close to finished. Um, but all of the West coasters were finally able to fly out here awesome. uh, and spend about a week here. And we uh, were all basically present for mixing, which was probably an engineer's worst nightmare because we're all in the room, you know, <laughs> and, sort of, and talking through the whole process and saying, Oh, Hey, can you tweak that? Can I hear a little bit of this here? But really Kurt did an absolutely stellar job yeah. uh, navigating like the deep waters of what that was, you know, and, um, and was really open to just the, that whole process. So in the end, like even like little, there was like little vocal tracking and little, like um, little tiny guitar things that we wanted to do towards the end that we were like, I mean, we were out. um, I remember the day we were shooting the, a a video for the, the first song we released. And I believe after we finished that Kurt and Steve ran back to the studio to do a quick guitar lead that they forgot to record. Nice. They they wanted to do. So things were, you know, that liquid um, and uh, spontaneous. And that was super fun. That's cool, man. Right on. Well, again, the album coming out November 19th and it is called Converge Blood Moon One. So is it Converge Blood Moon One? It is a band. It is a project. It is a thing. It's not just a a it's a thing. Awesome. <laughs> no, you're right. No, and I appreciate you. Um, uh, yeah. Sort of like putting it out that way because um, yeah, it is confusing. It's it's like, what even is this thing? But it's is just, this just converge plus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, right. Like in the whole world, yeah, it could be like converge plus converge, whatever, but you know, for us, it's the, the seven, the seven are the members. You that's know? awesome. That's, um, we joke about this all the time. Do you remember the, um, the the um it was a VH1 show they made a, a super group of making the band yeah with Sebastian Box got Ian Billy from yes. Biohazard yeah no and, sorry it was Evan from Biohazard was it okay so they they there's a there's a point in that that um Ben's told me about he knows everything about everything and he's yeah. Ben, ben K our drummer and he was just like yeah, they took five members come together to make a fist and they wanted to call the band fist. Yep. We we're joking that seven fingers come together on one hand to make a seven fingered fist. And that is what blood moon is. Nice. Yes. Awesome, man. Well, I look forward to the record. If you don't mind, I just have a couple kind of fun questions here to, to end Dude, things for sure. Um, so 
I have to ask, this is a, a visual that will never, ever leave my mind. So in 2001, you guys play, and it's probably like 20 years, uh, you know, uh, 20 year uh, back is, is, is a lot to remember, but it was um, you guys with American Nightmare, Hope Conspiracy at the Paradox on the Jane Doe tour. You were coughing up blood on stage. Mm-hmm. Is that a rare occurrence? Is that something that doesn't happen too often? Did we just get one off crazy visual or how often do you like? Do you really want to know? <laughs> it happens often. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's harsh. Um, it, it typically happens. Um, it happens if I don't sing often, because basically I'm not a typical singer. You know, I never met, I never wanted to be a singer. It's not, I'm only, I am only the vocalist in any of these bands because when I was a teenager and started as a bass player, nobody wanted to sing and yeah. we had too many guitarists and bass players. So it was like, Oh, well, somebody has got to do something. So yeah. you be the guy. Um, so like, I've never been like a, a natural talent or even like really cared to be, but I did enjoy writing and writing yeah. lyrics and things like that. Um, but so I took up that job and one of the, like, I, I liked extreme vocalists. And I think also part of that was like, the insecurity of just like not being that comfortable with it. So I would just go as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like how I found my, my sort of loud voice that sounds like a monster or whatever. Like I just, I just go hard and I'm a loud vocalist. So like, yeah. um, you know, there's some loud, there's some aggressive vocalists that are not loud. You know, they're actually quite quiet. They're quite quiet. They talk like this. And it's yep, just like yep, a thing, yep. but it works. It works well. Their tone works. It just is what it is. I don't do that. I go like, it's, it's all, it's all stomach. It's all, it's pushing all the air out of my body wow. at the, at, as much as I can. And so that does damage and it does, it, it does things. Um, it gets better over time when we start okay. playing, but the first like, you know, sometimes it depends, like sometimes it, it goes away entirely and it's a non-issue. And sometimes it's definitely something that happens and it's not, it's not good. Um, and it still happens. Um, if we don't play uh, for, for a while, the first, the first few shows or at, at least the first practices, I definitely, um, I definitely have those issues. Well, now I feel like kind of a dick for bringing up traumatic shit. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not about dramatic that. to me. It is what it is. It's like part of the course. It's like, okay, you okay, somebody okay. like, I mean, like, nobody's forcing me to do it but sure. you know it's like the that's like what i have and also it 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 limits what i can do as a sort of quiet control vocalist because i've i have a lot of damage in there so like hmm. i have like a a couple sort of voicings i can do and that just kind of works for me um you know like some people will like say like I, like i have like a sort of like a like a middle tone sort of like quiet elliot smith thing that i can do yeah totally. and, and i can do that but i can't like i can never sing like steve mm-hmm. um which is like you know like to me just like out of this world and in, incredible talent oh yeah it's just yeah. not what i can do i can write like that i can write the ideas like that like i even when we were doing blood moon stuff i would say like I'm writing this for you, Steve, to sing like Dio, because in my, yes. in my the, the internal voice in my head is always, is always Dio in terms of like the, the most powerful, you know, beautiful, eloquent, heavy vocalist. Um, but I can never sing like that. 
Um, but I'll write melodies like that all, all day. I just can't do it myself. I'll just point to others to do it. Okay. Right on, man. Well, I, I'm so there's I, that. Yeah. Sorry yeah. for getting no. serious. <laughs> I, I appreciate the honesty, man. I, I was not expecting. I, I thought we were just uh, one off, to be honest. But hey, hey you go good. all the way. Um, yeah. you, you brought up Dio there just a second, and I today I have to I have to mention it's uh, the four. Uh, it is November fourth. It is forty years of Mob Rules today. It's the greatest record of all time. Is that your favorite Black Sabbath record? What's your favorite? Because like some people are like, oh, Dio doesn't really oh, count as Sabbath, and then what? But so. That's my question for you to end mm-hmm. things. What's your favorite Black Sabbath record? It's probably a toss-up between Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell for me. Okay, so you're a Dio Sabbath guy. I'm an all Sabbath guy. I okay. like I, I like Ian Sabbath. Oh wow, okay. Um, you know, like hey, there's there's good songs on Born Again. Yeah, you know, um, there's good songs on all of them. Um, but for me, the, the band really, the, the band really sort of like reached a really awesome place with, with Dio, you know, he was just a a talent that, that ascended, uh, that, that made the band sort of ascend in a way that, that they didn't previously. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think it's just because of him. Um, I don't think Ozzy was holding them back whatsoever in that regard. I just think they just kind of got themselves in a place musically and creatively that like really gelled well. Yeah. Um, but he's, yeah, he, to me, he's just like a really special vocalist and just really sung the sung so, so beautifully in those songs. Just, it's just awesome. Monstrous stuff. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And we can listen to that record today. Um, I, I, uh, I have one final question. I, I know I popped this up on you, but um, you can see a bunch of CDs behind me. Sure. Vinyl is the go-to for a lot of music lovers. I mm-hmm. still I still listen to CDs in my car with the supply yeah. chain being what it is and, and vinyl not coming out for you know eight, nine, ten months or whatever. Are we in the renaissance of the CD once more? Well, I would like to think so because I like CDs too. And yeah. you know, like, I actually fell in terms of in terms of the medias that I I fell in love with as a music listener. For me, it was is it was tapes. Yeah, because as a kid, tapes were um, tapes were cheap. Oh yeah, um, or six cheaper. bucks, five bucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, like for a while, they were like in that like ten range, like mm-hmm. nine to ten. But then when CDs became the the true format. Um, you could get a cassette at a used store for like a dollar and That's you can awesome. get promo. You, I used to be, I used to go between classes and I would go to, you know, a bunch of record stores in, in the Boston area. I'd always buy promo cassettes for like a buck or a, or a buck or two, you know, just like yeah. basic promo items, no art. I got the Everyone's slaughter like, of the soul on promo for I a dollar. Yes. I did too. I got, um, yeah, like that was the that was the perfect era for that sort of stuff. Yeah. A lot of that sort of golden era alternative stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I had like every like you know, that's that's how I got I had like suede records like that. Yeah. And like um, you know, but I also had like um morbid angel domination like mm-hmm. that. I had like yeah, that era, that basically like early 90s sort of time. They were they were basically trash to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but to me they weren't because they traveled well and I could listen to them while I rode my bike around the city and yep. stuff. Um, they didn't skip like CDs did. 
they weren't fragile or expensive. So that was my go-to. Do I think see any of those will come back? I think they're all they're all niche medias now. Totally. Um, but I love interacting with the packaging of of a release because to me that was, it was so much of the experience was like getting into it and getting into whatever like booklet or or sort of insert that was there and getting into sort of supplemental art. Yeah. Um, like you have the the sleep you know the the sleep banner behind you. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. getting that cassette based on that cover alone. Yeah, um, in nineteen ninety would have been like late ninety three, early ninety four, because I remember I list I took only a couple cassettes on my first tour in 1994 and this is a summer 94 and it was that and it was uh into another ignaris oh cool and i listened to those records or those tapes like that entire tour that's all i listened to were those two, yeah. two tapes um but it, i but i just loved unfolding it and just going through this you know this incredible iconic thing um i don't think that any of them will totally disappear you know there's people will always look for those things but yeah right now supply chains are more interrupted than they've ever been it just takes a while to make stuff yeah but it's funny like even yesterday though like it's not as grim as it appears okay um where like if that's just the clickbait headlines that i see so I yeah it, i mean there is definitely a reality to it to a degree but like even some stuff that we were told that we were going to get as a, as a record label in february we were told it's done now So, so things are happening, you know, um, things are moving forward, you know, with this blood moon record, we actually reserved time on machines, um, you know, early on uh, before the record was even done just to ensure that we'd get it, you know, so hopefully we'll get it before the date, you know, uh, that we've thrown out there, but usually it's a big overarching date that like, if we don't deliver by this time, the world is a disaster, but this is like, it's going to come in by then or before then usually. So. Cool. Well, I'll, 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 I'll be holding on to it by, on CD on November 19th. So you, Thank there's my promise. You. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Absolutely. All right. Jacob Bannon from converge blood moon one. So is converge blood moon, the band or is it converge? Yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, con- it's converge. The album is called blood moon one. Okay. Uh, it's just like converge. It's but just you- like the, Every Blood Moon record will be the seven-piece version of Converge. If there's more Blood Moon records, which the one essentially indicates that there more than likely will be. So I'm that nerd that's like trying to force you into like this small regimented thing. Like, please explain exactly what we can classify this as. Information design is hard. And actually, we did a lot of thinking about that because we were like, how do we present this? You know, like we know we want to call it Converge Blood Moon. And then we'll just call the first record Converge Blood Moon One and just kind of do it that way um, because it made the most sense um, Mm -hmm. in terms of how to define this sort of thing. Because, yeah, like it would be really confusing if we just called it Converge Blood Moon and the next record would be called Converge Whatever, but it's still the seven piece departure from the typical Converge. Um, Because who knows, maybe there'll be another core Converge record that'll come out in between Blood Moon releases in the future or multiple, who knows? You know, like we would, for us, it was more about getting like the, the sort of idea concept and sort of execution of that information out, even the packaging of the record. Like I wanted something that a structure that could essentially continue on and have different, you know, different ways of, of being similar, but, uh, but cohesive. So all the records will essentially have this die cut um, moon and supplemental art that goes along with it. 
and just kind of make it a cohesive little branch of this tree. Awesome, man. Well, when you see Converge Blood Moon, you know you'll get seven incredible musicians collaborating on something. So well, I look forward to the to the album and many more. And, and Jacob, thanks so much for taking the time today. Right on, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And uh, good luck with the rest of that insurance stuff. I'm done. I got it done. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I, under the wire. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Jacob. Have a good one. All right, man. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.